Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Lord, we pray that you will keep guiding us all in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, 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 Jesus. So this will be done a little bit different. We would meet to a prayer. So you know you can still have your seats and things like that. But we would as we go through this, this is just going to be the last part of it, but we will meet to a prayer and things like that. We thank God for what God has done and what has been accomplished for us. You know, and you know, when we we're read, reading the Nissan Creed, there was a reason why the, the, the elders of the church chose the Nissan Creed, the Creed that we read. You see that that Creed is a bit different from the normal Creed. Because it, it, was, it, was, it was important that people understood who Jesus was. That is when, when you, you read it, it would say, God from God, light from light, the holy begotten of God. Basically, laying a lot of emphasis on Christ. And in there, you would, you know, I know, you know, I've been there before where somebody's reading it and they go to the Catholic, the Catholic Church and things like that. Because the actual rendition, the original rendition was actually Catholic, which means it's not Catholic Church. It is Catholic because Catholic means it's a Greek word for universal. So when you, the, the normal creed that we read now, that we have changed it to the only universal Church of God, the original writing is the only, the holy Catholic Church of God. That means the holy universal Church of God. So it's not, it's not Catholic as a church. But I guess because of the debate, you know, people have taken Catholic out to say, okay, you know, it's like people don't, don't feel like they're calling Catholic. It's not, it's not a Catholic church as it were. God help us in Jesus' name. So we're just going to look at, you know, we're just going to just just look at this briefly. And I said, like I said, you know, it would it would be a time of prayer together. But it's just for us to, you know, it just, you know, and but I just really point was pointing at it. You know, it, it was a thing we had compared, it was really pointing at it towards the hand. And, you know, I'm just going to start from Romans chapter 5, um, read from verse 10 to 12. We're talking about the wrath of God satisfied. The Bible says, For if we were enemies, if we were enemies, and were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, how much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? He now said, for, so he said, and not only so, but we, but we also joy in God through, through our Lord Christ Jesus, by whom we have received atonement. Wherefore, for by one man sin entered the world by death and death by sin, and so pass upon all men, for all men have sinned. Now, you would see all through the Old Testament that the Bible would, would keep using the word atonement. Will keep using the word atonement. And it is important that when you look at the dictionary meaning of atonement, the first thing you will see is satisfaction. That means that a particular criteria has been met. That means that God is satisfied. Let me try to put it to you this way. You know, somebody, you can go on holiday to, maybe let's put it this way, somebody, you might be in a, in a holiday and you might be in a five-star hotel. And it gets to a point, you just want to be in your room. People will say, ah, can you not see all these big stuff? You say, no, I am satisfied with my room. So it doesn't, so when it comes to satisfaction, it doesn't really matter how much you do. You know, but if you are eating and you are satisfied, well, you, you are satisfied. 
no matter what people bring to you, you would say, thank you, I'm satisfied. What happens at times that people don't really realize, ah, you know, but they're giving you, they say, yes, I, I get, I appreciate it, but I'm satisfied. What does this mean to us? Is that at times people try to please God in different ways. People think that, you know, it is, you have to do X, Y, there are other things that you have to do, but God is saying, no, I'm satisfied. You know that, you know, there, there could be, people could give you all sorts of things. Maybe you're looking for, you're looking for water. Or you want, you want, and you are thirsty. As somebody brings you popcorn, something brings you, um, you know, all kind of wonderful food. No matter how much they bring you, you're saying, I appreciate your effort, but please, I need a cup of water. And what does that mean? You're saying that I am satisfied with that cup of water. And when Christians, when we begin to understand that God is satisfied by the death of Christ, you would know why it is important to share the gospel. Because people feel that God, it does as long as you try your best. But when it comes to satisfaction, it's not necessarily that whatever you do is on top of the fact that I'm satisfied. So I can have, I can be living in one bedroom. And actually be satisfied than living in a mansion. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? You know, somebody may give you, maybe you're used to a particular phone. And somebody may be giving you also, you say, no, please just get to me my phone. <laughs> and somebody will say, you know, don't you really appreciate, you know, somebody went to buy you extra. I said, I appreciate what you're doing. But I am satisfied with my phone. The challenge at times about statements like that is that people around you don't understand. But you are just satisfied with it. It may appear like you are not being, you are not being, you don't appreciate things. But it's not you don't appreciate it, you're just, you're just okay with it. And why am I bringing this? It's because people have all sorts of ideas. Of what, how, how to satisfy, how to, how to, and God is saying, no, no, say, I've made my choice. I am saying this, I am satisfied by this. And what I kept just, you know, coming to my heart all this morning is God is satisfied. If only people can come to that realization. We would, you can only build on God's satisfaction. You cannot build anything out of God's satisfaction. If you don't know that God is satisfied, you'll be chasing after shadows all the rest of your life. That's why when Jesus finished, Jesus said, it is finished. Basically what he's saying, God is satisfied. But do you know that after Jesus died, People were still taking animals to go and sacrifice. But I can imagine them bringing it. And God said, thank you for bringing this. But I'm satisfied. Please put yourself, if you can, in the position of God. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there before. When you're actually satisfied, people are telling you you're not satisfied. How do you know? I'm okay. People say, no, 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 he's just pretending. She's just pretending. If you, if you bring, if you go and bring the food for her, now she knows you see she will eat. And be like, I'm the one who's supposed to tell you I am okay. Then, if you're not careful, what happens that those people begin to get on your nerves? They feel like, but I'm doing so much for you. If only you would take my word that I'm satisfied, you would not have to do all this big stuff. And if there's anything that I feel that we can you know, 
pull the summary on today is that God is satisfied. No matter the situation, no matter the challenge, he is satisfied. And then, you know, when you are sharing the gospel with somebody, somebody say, yeah, but I've done this, I've done that. I'm not this. Yeah, God appreciates that. He does. But he is satisfied with his son. That doesn't mean you cannot do more as you cannot add to it. But first of all, let it the baseline be God is satisfied. I'm not trying to satisfy God. He's already satisfied. That is why you see the word atonement. Atonement. It means satisfaction. And when you begin to go into further details, so they just say, you know, what is God satisfied about? So we, if you go to the next slide, this time, we picked up this from Wikipedia. Sorry, I know we're not doing this site for Wikipedia. I know it's. Uh, but it says, it says atonement, also known as atoning. It's, this is a concept of somebody taking action to correct previous wrong on their, on their part, either through direct action or undoing consequences of an act. So basically, somebody would say that, you know, and you would see where the Bible talks about atonement, basically coming, bringing something together with one, reconciling us back to God. Everything is achieved under atonement, but the basis of it is that the basis of God reconciling you back to himself is satisfied in Jesus. The basis of, of God re reversing the consequences of an action is satisfied with Jesus. So, as we begin to look at that, you would, we would, we would, you know, you, you, when you are, when we are dealing with this kind of aspect, forgiveness of sins, either, or, or maybe I have done something wrong and I am suffering the consequences, God can reverse that consequences, but the basis is doing that, is that it's already satisfied with the death of Christ. That is such, I don't know, you know, it's been ringing in my mind all day since morning. This is last night. And it seems like, you know, what God is just begging if I am satisfied. And I could imagine, you know, that's why I painted that, I shared that story. It's like, you know, can you imagine people giving me all sorts of things? Thinking that, you know, it can, and you're saying, I am satisfied already. And I see the frustration of God at times with people. I am satisfied. I am honestly satisfied. But this is how we would do as 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 we go on, as we just you know say words of prayers together, as we pull prayers out of this. You know, Jesus said in in John chapter six, verse fifty three to fifty six. And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink of, of the blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him on the last day. Now, what does this mean? It means that you can have the flesh of Christ. You can have the blood of Christ. The atonement is already done, but except you take it, except you apply it, it still remains the way it is. Somebody asked Raya Donkey one day, he said, if the blood of Jesus is, is, is shed for the, for the world, why is there so much sin? Why are people doing all sorts of crazy things and things like that? And Bonkey said, is it everybody that has soap that be true that takes their life? And the man said, no. He said, because they have to take, they have to deliberately take off their clothes, go into the bath, pull, pick up the soap, pour it in the sponge or whatever it is, and apply it to their body. So because you have the most expensive bowl of soap in your house. It is not equivalent to being clean. 
That's why Jesus said, except you eat, except you drink, you would you have no life in you. That is why when you see when he was talking again in Matthew chapter 26, as we begin to, as he begins to introduce to them the Passover. The Bible says he broke the bread. So he, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and he gave it to them. And what did he say? Take. So that means that if they did not take, the body was just broken. It is never applied to them. So God may be satisfied. But if you will not take it, it doesn't apply to you. But is God satisfied? He is. But you and I need to take the promises of Christ and begin to apply it to ourselves. So you will see Jesus say, use the word, take. When he came to the blood in verse 27, he said, drink from it. All of you. He said, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, but there were only few in that room who were ready to apply it to themselves. God will grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says and this is where we would you know, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 1 verse 2 to 5 it says, Peter, the children of Israel say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord he shall bring you shall bring your offering of livestock and of the head of the flock if, if, if his offering is a bond sacrifice of herd, let him offer a meal without blemish. He said he shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle, of the, the tabernacle of meeting of the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the offering, and it shall be accepted on, on his behalf to make atonement for him. So God is saying, when you bring that animal, you must personally place your hand on it. So that means that even though Christ is on the cross, you and I must reach up our hands and place our hands on it. And the Bible says that he shall then he shall he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and and the priest and Harold shall bring the blood and sprinkle it around the altar. What I think, you know, and this is where what I was saying is that we'll probably be taking a portion of scriptures and begin to pray. I just want you. And this may sound look unusual, but I just want you to begin to ask God. I want you to, you know. To see the cross of Calvary as the cross is the way it is. But Jesus said, take and eat. Leticus says, no, you have to place your hand on it. Because it's available does not mean it is there for you. So it does not mean it applies to you. Except you apply it by yourself. So I want to just begin to talk to God. I lay my own hands on the cross today. I identify with the death of Christ. I identify with the death of Christ. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I lay my hands on, on Calvary. I connect to it. I, by your identity, I, as uh, me and my family, me and the church. The Bible says that they shall put their hand on the burnt offering. And that offering shall become their own atonement. In every situation of my life, in every position of my life, God is satisfied. I take on the satisfaction of God in every part where the where Satan and sin has been accusing me, where I have gone wrong, I come to Calvary today. I stretch forth my hand on Jesus. I declare that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for me. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for my family. Christ is the perfect sacrifice for the church. The Bible says they stretch forth their hand. They have to put their hand on the head of the gospel. In Jesus' precious name of God. When we go to Leviticus chapter 5, the Bible says, Leviticus chapter 5, the Bible from verse 5 says, It shall be when he is guilty of any of these matters, he shall confess, his, he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. Then he shall bring his trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he has committed. And we go, go further on, he said, So the priests shall make atonement for him concerning that sin. I just want you to begin to speak to God. He said, no, before you lay your hands on it, you should, in the, in the process, also you should confess your sins. But you're not confessing your sin, leaving this place, thinking God is not satisfied. He is satisfied. He is satisfied. But the, he said they should for." Ask for the forgiveness of their sins. Please, what we are doing is that we are, we are, we are applying Calvary, the event on ourselves. Because Jesus said, except you reach out and eat, except you drink it, you cannot partake in that life. And the way we are doing it is by, 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 by appropriating it to ourselves in prayer. Because of the death of Calvary, forgive me my iniquities. Where I have fallen short of your glory, The Bible says that the Bible, the Bible says that for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the high fire and the sprinkling of, of sprinkling, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies and purifies the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, through eternal spirit, offer himself with that spot and spot to God, cleanse our conscience. See, there are times when you need your conscience cleansed. You know, the devil will keep coming and say, oh, you know, have you forgotten? So at times, you have asked God for forgiveness of sins, but your conscience, 
something happens, the devil reaches for your conscience immediately. You begin to weigh, walk under the weights. The Bible says the blood of Jesus washes us away from the conscience of uh, washes us our conscience from dead work to be able to serve God. God, I want to serve you with a clean mind. You know, maybe you'll be praying. Your journey with God is already on, on, on a particular track and the devil begins to spring up things in your conscience. That's why the Bible says, the blood of Jesus washes that conscience away so that you can boldly serve God. That may be past already that maybe when God tells you this is what I want you to do for me, the devil will quickly bring up your conscience and say, have you forgotten? Or it might even be your weakness as a human being. Maybe the promises of God concerning your life, it could be towards marital issues, it could be towards your life, and God is saying, you know, I want you to serve me in this dimension. But the devil will remind you quickly. You know, when you don't have a good conscience, the people will say the human conscience is the policeman. But when your conscience is purged, washed from dead works, it becomes very active. See, there are two ways. Your conscience can be in such a way whereby it is so much buried in sin that when things negative is coming, the conscience cannot pick it up. So when God is washing your conscience away from dead works, so your consciousness just, you become alive. There are things that you don't realize before that is wrong. But because your conscience is constantly being washed, you can perceive what is right and what is wrong. Everybody is saying, can you not say that this is wrong? But you don't see because the conscience is dead. Lord, I pray, I need a good conscience to be able to walk before you. To be able to please you, I need you to point to wash my conscience. Cleanse me as the result of Calvary today. Let the blood of Christ cleanse me. the cross. 
and it is on the cross that the blood washed my conscience. Lord, I pray that my conscience will wash it. See, if you have, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 19, the Bible says, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, Concerning their faith, and sorry, and the and the faith, concerning the faith, have suffered a shipwreck. So some people's Christian life hit the rock because their conscience was not clear. We're not talking, we're not teaching about conscience. See, if your conscience is alive, the Bible will say that some people's conscience are be snared with hot iron. Basically, they cannot feel anything again. When Hitler was asked about how is what does he want to do to raise how do how, do, how is it possible that he has young Germans rising up, killing people, you know, as and he said, all you need is young men without conscience. Because once the conscience is dead, that's why you can see somebody do something drastically evil and they don't feel it. Why? Because the conscience is dead. And that's why the Bible keeps saying the blood of Jesus needs to wash your conscience. Bible says, let's go back to the Hebrews. He says, who true? He said, he said, cleanse us. Cleanse out your conscience from dead works so that you can serve God. Have you wondered what led people in Nigeria, for example, to kill people and put people's heads in their cars? The conscience is dead. The devil has a way of, of targeting people's conscience in such a way that the conscience dies. Then you begin to see them. You know, somebody just, you know, you see things in, you know, all these guys that, all these um, um, ISIS and things, like, and they just thought at somebody and they, don't, they can sit there while the person is, is gasping for life. And they can look at it and laugh. Why? The conscience is gone. That's why they said, your conscience is the policeman that will tell you what is right or wrong. Can you imagine a place where there is no policeman? Everybody does whatever it is that they please is right. That's why Paul will keep praying for people's conscience. So please let us just pray as we just you know as we draw this because this is one of the things that Christ has given us on Calvary is that your conscience will be alive. Your conscience will be alive. Creating me ugly. Isaiah chapter 13. No, let's just go on to um, yeah, let's just the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Having become cause for himself, for us. For it is written, cost is everyone that hung on the cross. What we are doing is appropriating what Christ did on the cross. 
whatever cause, cause of the law, whatever it is that is limiting my life, as I lay my hands on Calvary, generational cause, limitation to my health, it is broken today in the name of Jesus Christ. Because of Calvary and what Jesus did on the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, you are satisfied with that. God, you are satisfied with that. God, you are satisfied with that. So, Lord, every cause of my life is broken. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because I am proclaimed what you have given on Calvary. I lay hold of that which you have released onto Calvary. I am released over every hold of Calvary. Every hold of, 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 of hell. Every hold of hell. Every control. Every cost is broken. It is broken today by the precious blood of Calvary in the mighty name of Jesus. Every cost is broken. Every cost is broken in the name of Jesus Christ.
The mediator tries to carry this person's thoughts and challenges and brings it to this one. And the demands of the other person, he brings it to that person. Let me give you the example of what I'm saying to you. You are on this side. God is on the side. God is saying, no, you know, we have sinned and fallen short. Jesus is saying, looking at us and saying, these people cannot meet up the need. I am their mediator. So God, I am standing in the gap for them. And God is saying to, to Jesus, I have taken what I have taken you as a mediator for them. But now I need them to be able to live a holy life. I need them to be able to do my will. So what will happen? The mediator comes and says, I will help you. So mediator is not only one way. So it is not you to God. It's also God to you. So when Christ stood as a mediator, he's not only telling God, Father, forgive them. He's also saying, I need to help them so that they can come to an agreement. I just want you to begin to see Jesus on Calvary standing as your mediator. There are demands or there are things that God is asking you know that God has called you to do. A life that God has called you to live. But the mediator is the one that will help you. You know one thing you cannot do to your mediator? You cannot hide from your mediator. You need to be honest. These are my limitations. This is what I want to achieve. And the mediator will go, okay. We get that. We can still work with it. What the mediator doesn't want is to get into a meeting and and I see all sorts of new things. I say, you know, you didn't say, you didn't tell me that. So as we speak before to Christ, as we lay our hold on Calvary, just ask him for help. The reason why you need a mediator is because you cannot, you cannot accurately negotiate a good time for yourself. If you can negotiate your way through life, then you don't need a mediator. The Bible says, for this reason, this is the reason why we need a mediator. See, it may even be about your health. You are seeing, the scripture says, by his strength you are healed. And God, I'm still struggling with this health issue. You need a mediator to bridge the gap. The Bible says that you can overcome sin and you're still struggling. You need the mediator to come in and bridge the gap for you. God never asked you to, be, to create a perfect scenario. That is why he has brought a mediator for you. And me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. The Bible says, and the last scripture that we will read, or second to the last, Acts. Acts 20. The Bible says, therefore, take it to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made the overseers. The shepherd of his, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Father, you, we are going to pray that prayer in two ways. Lord, I am purchased by your blood. I am not on sale again for 
for any kind of issues. Let my life be for your perfect use alone. I was I am purchased by the blood of Christ. And let us also speak over the church. The Father, the church is purchased by your blood. Prove your ownership over it. Prove your ownership over it. Prove your ownership over it, O oh Lord. Prove your ownership over it. You purchase the church with your blood. Prove your ownership over it. Let's just go. Isaiah chapter 53 is on top. He said, surely, surely, surely. So that means that there is no debate on it. He said, surely he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Surely. And when we go to verse 5, we don't have it there, but he talks about our iniquities. Lord, let this be the testimony of my life. As I carry the cross, as I lay my hands on Calvary, let my life be a testimony to Isaiah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. Let this be the testimony of my life.
I just imagine after Jesus said it is finished and Father into your hands I commit my spirit I can imagine the Father bending down and collecting his spirits and sitting down with a big sigh I am satisfied. I can imagine the Father taking hold of the Spirit of Christ and sitting down with a big smile. I am finally satisfied. Just ask God as I go on the journey of my life. Let your smile of satisfaction be over me. Let me continually see, know that you are satisfied. See, the devil will come and try to trip you. Make you feel there is something more. Let me know that you are satisfied. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.